the team is extremely passionate. Most people that are working in the sector, in the organization, are very, very passionate about what we're working for. To make that shift and say, you know what, to survive, we will need to start looking at the urban rich, was very, very difficult. And they felt like, you know, we were moving away from our mission. Welcome to Grit and Growth from Stanford Seed, the show where Africa and South Asia's intrepid entrepreneurs share their trials and triumphs. Just a few announcements before we get started. As the world has reopened to travel, I find myself on the road again. In the past two months, I've been to Indonesia, Kenya, South Africa, and India, meeting with entrepreneurs and preparing for future cohorts of Stanford Seed's transformation program. Unfortunately, that also means less time for podcasting. So we're changing up the release cadence of Grit and Growth. Instead of once every two weeks, we'll be putting out an episode once every three weeks. This will allow us to keep making great shows while we run our training programs, connect entrepreneurs across the world, and do all the other things that make Stanford Seeds special. And speaking of special, for the next few episodes, we've got something a little different for you. Starting or growing a business, it's a unique experience. There's nothing else quite like it. It can be incredibly draining and yet thoroughly rewarding. And no one knows what you're going through like another entrepreneur. So as we gear up for our third season, we will bring you Entrepreneurs in Their Own Words, a series of four short-form stories and interviews told by entrepreneurs themselves. We hope you'll see your own experiences reflected in these conversations and that these episodes will motivate and celebrate the work of entrepreneurs like you. For our first installment, you'll hear from Divya Yachamaneni, CEO of Nandi Community Water Services. Divya was a consultant with Deloitte before she transitioned into the world of social entrepreneurship. We'll hear how Nandi developed a model to bring clean water to rural India and how Divya pivoted the strategy to make it sustainable despite some internal resistance. Hi, Darius. I'm Divya and uh, I am the CEO of Nandi Community Water Services. We usually refer to it as Nandi Water. So Nandi Water is a for-profit social enterprise. The mission is to save lives by providing uh, safe drinking water to underserved communities in a sustainable manner. And Nandi Water at this moment works across seven states in India. I mean, there's an incredible amount of uh, money that is spent every year for building water infrastructure in India. However, um, you know, we don't reach most of our goals because it's extremely centralized. Even now, 78% of India does not have piped water. And uh, even if they do have uh, piped water, a lot of times, uh, you know, nobody can guarantee the quality of the water. There is no ownership amongst uh, communities. So year after year, you pour in money, but there's constant slippage. The infrastructure remains dilapidated, etc. As recently as 2017, I remember there was a one particular day when 11 people died because of bad water. So can you describe for me the first time you went to visit uh, one of these villages that had been targeted for a water plant? I'd like to hear in your words the problem that Nandi Water is solving through your eyes from your own travel. So I am an urban girl. 
I've hardly ever been to any villages before I joined uh, Nandi uh, Foundation. I remember it was such a huge shock for me because being somebody from urban India, I hadn't realized how bad the problem in rural India was and just how contaminated the water is. It's impossible to drink it. Uh, there is one uh, particular uh, village in Rajasthan called Shivdaspura. It was amongst the first villages that I had gone to to visit. Uh, people uh, were drinking water from the ground, which was extremely highly contaminated with fluoride. There was actual white foam on it because it was that contaminated. And they were drawing water from that, uh, you know, I mean, it's almost a sewage canal. They were drawing water from that, you know, putting it in the sun for odor, filtering it with uh, cloth for dust, etc., and after once the odor goes, etc., they they started to drink it. And I remember really being very moved by it. And it was very difficult to see uh, people living in those conditions. So what is the model? We go to places with extremely highly contaminated water that have high uh, nitrates, arsenic, TDS, etc. We go to these places. We set up a water center, a water purification system. Uh, we uh, purify the water and we provide it back to communities at a nominal charge. One family pays $2.5 per month for safe drinking water. In our model, the way we worked at it is that from the beginning, the community has to take ownership. So how do they take ownership? The first thing, even at the time of the construction of the water purification center, we won't go in unless the community promises to provide us with land, raw water connection and electricity connection. Sorry, let me just jump in here. I used to finance irrigation projects, and this, the problem there was that the community didn't have any ownership of the project. It was just something that was given to them. And so operations and maintenance never really kept up. Exactly. I would travel around rural areas, and I would see these projects where the European Union had proudly put a plaque on it, you know, built by European Union two years ago, and the damn thing was busted. So, yeah, you know, exactly. So the, the whole model of like, here, villagers, we've given you this great thing, best of luck, never really worked. Exactly. So from the beginning, there is uh, ownership from them. Then we work together for five to seven years, during which time we train one person from the village itself to run the water center. We do a lot of educational uh, campaigns, a lot of uh, awareness building. And after this, after seven years, we hand it back to the communities, usually to not one person, but to the village government for them to run the water center themselves. So we have so far handed back about 329 uh, water centers, which is in 329 villages, and about 80% of them continue to work even now. The latest project that we have set up is in Maharashtra, and this is uh, with two years of work. We provide water to schools, so we've seen that absenteeism has dropped from 24% to 2%. We have seen that medical expenditure for waterborne diseases has uh, fallen from 50% to 13%. 
we have seen that uh, the drudgery on women that is because usually they have to walk for 1 to 2 kilometers carrying 20 liters uh, but from the time the water center has come in about 40% of the times it's the men that actually come and pick up the water because it's no more just the woman's work when we uh, began darius there was absolutely nobody else that was doing this so we were the pioneers of this model we were the ones that actually uh, demonstrated it on a large scale Uh, but by 2012, we realized that there is a whole lot more that we need to learn because we set up with state governments, which means we have scale, but we didn't necessarily have um, everything properly uh, sorted out. So so far, we do cover all costs up to the state level, uh, but we didn't want to take grants for the national level costs. and so in order to do that we realized that if we can't increase the price that's going to be very difficult we knew that we needed to be uh, you know sustainable while providing water at the same affordable cost so we explored various ways in which we could do it right we said okay let's just see if we can get economies of scale in the same model we tried that but it didn't work then we said you know what urban areas we seem to be earning a whole lot more than uh, rural areas so let's see if that could help us increase our you know revenues and cover all our costs we tried it for 2 years but because of regulatory aspects as well as the changes in law even that didn't work by then we we were like you know it looks like the most likely way in which we could be sustainable is through this cross subsidization bottled water is sold on a commercial basis the profits cross yes. subsidize the rural yes. uh, water schemes yes. that's a pretty big strategic pivot and i'm i'm just curious could you just say a few words about what was the process that got you to introduce this new product cuz that's quite a big shift in strategy i was one of the people that was um, from the beginning really convinced that this was the way to go because i had done a lot of research on rural retail by then and we saw how much money goes in there and how very few organizations have been able to cover all national costs and we had even reached a place where nobody else had reached by then but to go further was going to be difficult so i was quite convinced that we will you know need to look at it from another perspective and within your team was this strategy debated was there was a challenge hugely it was very difficult for me it took me a very long time to discuss and get the team on board about the whole urban model uh for initially the middle class and then the rich because i kept feeling like we were moving away from our mission the team is extremely passionate most people that were, that are working in the sector in the organization are very very passionate about what we are working for so this took me almost two and a half years of constant conversations discussions debates some people even leaving from the leadership team before it became a part of uh, what we do over the last 2 years through various conversations with the customers as well as um you know really understanding the market we saw where we could differentiate ourselves uh, with quality of water and service as well right now it 
is uh, India's only social packaged drinking water brand. The brand is called iQuench and uh, with the tagline of this uh, water is good for you, good for society and good for the planet because 100% of the profits will go to supporting those people in rural India that don't have water to um, drink. And I'm just curious, so has your hypothesis proven true? Is, is this business, are you in it for the long haul? So we have a fairly differentiated product right now that we are seeing more and more people um, like quite a bit. At the end of the year last year, we, we quickly switched consumer segments to B2C and we were able to do about 42% over the previous year. And this year, again, we grew about 62% in the last two uh, months uh, over the previous year. So we, we see that uh, there is a demand for uh, good, safe drinking water that is unadulterated. And what adds to all of this is the fact that people feel like, okay, I get to have good water. And then, you know, some people in rural India are also going to benefit. So I do uh, think we are going to be in this for the you know long haul. It's exciting to know that Nandi's strategic pivot has paid off and they can continue to fund their work in rural India. It's a reminder that different approaches can serve the same mission. For a social enterprise, success isn't about dominating the market. It's about fulfilling the need. And since Nandi pioneered their model, others have followed, creating more opportunities for safe water in rural communities. Once this model was demonstrated on a large scale, several other state governments then adopted the model. The central government adopted the model. Banks started to give out loans to entrepreneurs that wanted to, you know, set up a water center. So uh, right now, this model is fairly well known in the country. And in fact, a lot of other countries in Africa are also using the same model. I want to thank Divya Yachamaneni and Nandi Community Water Services for sharing her story and for the impact she's having in India. Since we last spoke in 2021, Nandi has opened an additional six water centers for a total of 335 that have impacted more than 700,000 lives across India. This has been Grit and Growth with the Stanford Graduate School of Business, and I'm your host, Darius Teeter. If you like this episode, leave us a review on your podcast app. It really helps us to share the stories of these incredible entrepreneurs with as many people as possible. To learn how Stanford Graduate School of Business is partnering with entrepreneurs in Africa and Asia, head over to the Stanford Seed website at seed.stanford.edu slash podcast. Grit and Growth is a podcast by Stanford Seed. Erica Amoake-Ajay and VN Virgin researched and developed content for this episode. Kendra Gladich is our production coordinator, and our executive producer is Tiffany Steves, with writing and production from Andrew Gannon and sound design and mixing by Alex Bennett at Lower Street Media. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.